Today we go to our gospel lesson, which is uh, Mark, St. Mark, the fourth chapter, beginning with the 26th verse. Reading in Jesus' name. And Jesus said, the kingdom of God is, is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches, so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. The gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, praise to you, O Christ. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your kingdom. We thank you that your kingdom has come to us. The rule and the reign of Jesus Christ dwells within our hearts and within our church and in the earth. But to this world, it may seem so insignificant, so small, so, so weak. But Lord, we know the power of it. We know that your kingdom is growing. We know that the gates of hell will never prevail against your kingdom. Uh, we know, Heavenly Father, too, that, that on the day that you return, no one will be able to ignore your kingdom, which will come in might and power to consume this earth. So, Heavenly Father, may your kingdom come to us today. May it come to us afresh and anew. May your kingdom come to this community. May this community know the reality of your rule and of your reign. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A little seed, a little seed, it packs a lot of power. I sent my kids out on a little errand this morning, and that was to go collect some Douglas fir pine cones. Are my kids here? Can you bring those? Did you get those, find those pine cones for me? Can you bring them up here? I think we'll have the other kids come up here, too. I'll talk a little bit about trees and seeds. Any kids? Come on up here. All right, we'll have a little church children's sermon. You guys all right with that? All right, come on up here. Any kids can come on up here. All right, go ahead and take a seat on the steps. All right. Thank you. Yeah, one, two. All right. Now tell me, what is the biggest tree you ever climbed? Have you ever climbed a tree before? Who here has never climbed a tree? Oh, you've never climbed a tree before. What's the biggest tree you've ever climbed? Santana, I know you like to climb trees. You climbed a tall one before? You know one of the tallest trees in this area? You know what kind of tree it is? It's called the Douglas fir. Now, have you seen these tall trees, maybe even in your neighborhood? The tall, big, green, ever tree, evergreen trees? Did you know that those trees here in our neighborhood, like in Linwood or wherever you live, they're really not that big compared to some of them. There's one in Oregon that's over 300 feet tall. Can you believe that? Over 300 feet tall. That is a big, big tree. Now, 
these trees drop something called what? Yeah, we call them pine cones. Do you know what's inside of pine cones? There are little seeds inside of pine cones, and if we were to be able to find the seeds inside of these pine cones, they would be super tiny, right? If, if uh, how many of you have walked on a trail before? You've walked down the sidewalk or maybe in your own yard and there were pine cones laying around? How many of you just walk past them without even noticing them? All right. Now, did you know that Jesus compared his kingdom? Did you know that, first of all, Jesus is a king? And Jesus has a kingdom? Jesus is a king, and he has a kingdom. And Jesus said that his kingdom is like a seed. It's like a seed. Now, seeds aren't very impressive, are they? They're not very big. You can't climb up a seed. Or even a pine cone. If a pine cone's on the ground, you might just walk past it and step right on it, right? And not even notice that it's really there. But if you came across that big 300-foot tree, do you think you'd notice that thing? Yeah, you wouldn't be able to notice, you wouldn't be able to miss that, right? Well, Jesus says that the kingdom of heaven is like a seed. It's like a seed. It starts out real small. And it seems very insignificant. That's what his kingdom is like. And there are a lot of people that are missing Jesus. There are a lot of people that, that, that don't even think about Jesus on a daily basis. And guess what? Sometimes I'm that way, and sometimes you're probably that way too. Are there days that go by where you forget to think about Jesus? You forget that his kingdom is powerful? You forget that his kingdom is expanding? You forget that his kingdom is big? We're all like that, right? So Jesus is basically saying that here we have a little seed, but you plant the seed, and, and, and if I could, it would be so cool to get these, these little fir seeds and then to give them to you and then to take them home and to plant them and to see the little sapling, right, to grow. And then maybe when you come back to that little sapling that you planted when you're 80 or 90 or 100 years old, how big do you think it'll be then? It'll be super tall, Right? Well, the kingdom of heaven, it might seem really small to us, and it might seem that it's not all that important. It's kind of like a pine cone laying on the ground. But there is power. There is power in these seeds. Think about the power in these little seeds. Plant one little seed, and it turns into an enormous, an enormous tree. And that's the way God's kingdom is. Some people may ignore it right now. They may not even notice Jesus now. They might not notice uh, that he is king now. But there is coming a day. There is coming a day. The Bible says that every eye will see him. And every knee will bow before him. Because there is coming a day when Jesus comes again that nobody can miss him. So don't miss him today. Remember what your king did for you. What did your king do for you? He died on the cross. Can you imagine a king willingly being nailed to a cross and being hurt and suffering like that? That's exactly what Jesus did for us. He is the king of kings and he is the Lord of lords. And he was nailed to the cross for us so that we could enter into his kingdom, so that the seed of the promise of the gospel would be planted in your hearts and so that you too would be a part of that amazing kingdom. We have a good king and he loves us. He loves us so much. Can we pray together? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you for your kingdom. We thank you that it's growing. It's powerful. 
We thank you that you've made us a part of your kingdom through Jesus dying on the cross. We thank you, Lord, that because we believe in you and because we trust in you, we are members, we are citizens of your kingdom. We thank you for that. And so, Lord, may we not forget. May we always remember how powerful and how big and how amazing your kingdom is. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can go ahead and be seated. Go ahead and take these pine cones back with you. There you go, guys. Thank you. So the Douglas fir tree makes up a large percentage of the Pacific Northwest forests. Can you imagine what it would have been like to come here as the, as the, the first pioneers did to, to see the vast expanse of the forest? And to realize that that forest was planted by little, little seeds, little seeds, which grew powerful, large. Not only do they, do they make up a large percentage of our forests, a mature uh, forest of Douglas firs will attract hawks, swallows, woodpeckers, owls, bald eagles, even amphibians, reptiles, and a list of other native animals. One breeding pair of endangered salamanders was found 250 feet up one of these Douglas firs. Jesus used the illustration of a seed to explain the kingdom of God. A seed is small. A seed seems so insignificant. But here we have in a seed something powerful something mighty, something that will grow into something impressive, something that you cannot miss. So the kingdom of God, what is the kingdom of God? Well, first of all, the kingdom of God is the rule and the reign of Jesus Christ. When Jesus began to preach, he said, the time is fulfilled. He said, the time is fulfilled. He said, the kingdom of God is at hand. And then he said, repent and believe in the gospel. The kingdom is at hand. Repent and believe. Today, where is the kingdom of God located? Well, Christ has located his kingdom within the church through the preaching of the gospel and the administration of the sacraments. The kingdom expands. When Jesus walked this earth, for 33 years, we could point to Jesus and we could say, there is the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God is the rule and the reign of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed, the Christ. Today, we point to Jesus' church. We point to the church, the church which preaches and administers the sacraments. And we say, there is the kingdom of God. Of God, There is the reign and the rule of the kingdom of God on earth through the preaching of the gospel and the administration of the sacraments. So it might seem to us as if God's kingdom is not that impressive at all. Not very impressive. What do we have? We might have a timid sermon... Spoken with fear and trembling. 
But in that is the Word of God. And in the Word of God is the power of the kingdom of heaven. Ordinary water. What can ordinary, a little bit of ordinary water accomplish? Well, God's Word tells us that it accomplishes great and mighty things. A little bit of bread, a tiny sip of wine. What can it accomplish? Well, Jesus taught us what it accomplishes. To us, it might not seem as if God's kingdom is impressive at all. When we look at the world's leaders on the media platform, when we consider the power of modern warfare, when we experience the effects of a global economy, we look at these things and we assume these things are powerful, so to us, it might not seem as if God's kingdom is impressive at all. Well, this is what Jesus is telling us. Jesus taught us that God's kingdom starts small. It starts small. An unimpressive sermon, ordinary water, a bit of bread, a sip of wine. But there is power there. The power of the kingdom of God is like the power of a seed or seed that is scattered. I've had some luck in sowing seed for a harvest in my backyard. How many of you have planted a garden before? How many of you have been unsuccessful in that? Yes, absolutely. There I am. But you know what I'm really good at, what I'm excellent at growing? Weeds. Not weed, but weeds. <laughs> weeds. No weed in my garden. There is power in the seeds of weeds. Have you noticed it before? They, they start in your garden so small and insignificant. You think there's no threat here? There's no threat to my plants with these little weeds or just tiny little things, barely of a quarter of an inch out of the ground. There's no power there. But as soon as you turn your back and you look again, they have choked everything out. They have, they have just produced a harvest that is useless, right? God's kingdom is powerful. The power of the kingdom of God is like the power of seeds scattered. When it starts, you don't even know it's happening. Then when it sprouts, it looks very unimpressive, but before you know it, boom, it's everywhere, and it's reproducing, and the growth is exponential. Can't stop it. Now with weeds, you can take the weed eater to them, and in short order, they're gone. Or if you like the nuclear option, you can use Roundup, but the kingdom of God cannot be stopped. Nothing will ever stop the advance of God's kingdom on earth. Jesus said that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. I have some points here. First point, if you'd like to write these down, is that the kingdom of God is a reproducing organism. So here we have the image of seeds. Well, any plant is a reproducing organism. There are certain things programmed into the DNA of that plant and of that seed 
that, that require it to reproduce. That's the whole point of the fruit. The fruit is the product of reproduction. So the kingdom of God, the church, is a reproducing organism. So we need to think of the church as something that reproduces, something that grows, something that expands, something that is not stagnant or fixed, but something that is alive and reproducing. As soon as we think of the church or treat the church as an institution, the church begins to lose its power. Because after all, who wants to belong to an institution? Who here wants to go to an institution? Nobody, right? We want to stay away from institutions. I want to belong to a family. You see, a family is a reproducing organism. I want to see babies born. How many of you love it when a baby is born? Good news, right? I want children making noise. How many of you like it when children are there and they're making a little bit of racket? Feels good, doesn't it? It means that, that there is life, that there is vitality. I want a family. I want to surround people in their grief. I want to celebrate with people in their milestones. I want to argue with people and be able to come out on the other end as brothers and sisters bound together by blood. I want to be a part of a family. A family. So I look forward to the day when my children will have children. When I have grandkids. I look forward to seeing my family grow. Because a family is, is an organ. It is, it's something that, that is natural. It has to grow, right? That's what it's all about. Like a genetic family, the church is also a reproducing uh, unit or organism. We are a body. We are a living temple. And as an organism reproduces, so should the church reproduce. The church ought to be reproducing. Seed should be sown into the hearts of people. And by that seed being planted, the gospel being planted in their hearts, they too are born again to newness of life. So Maple Park, hear this word, never stop making babies. Never stop making babies. Babies are made in the kingdom by the proclamation of the gospel, through our witness, through our ministry. Just as a seed is planted in the ground and there comes forth a tree or a plant, may the gospel enter the hearts of our neighbors so that they too can be born again into the kingdom of God. 
So the kingdom of God is a reproducing organism, and there will be zero reproduction in the life of this congregation unless we get busy in this neighborhood. We must enter into the lives of our neighbors. We must build a rapport with our neighbors. We need to get to know them. They need to get to know us. A little courtship needs to happen so that we can plant within the hearts of others the seed of the kingdom of God, which is the gospel message of Jesus Christ. So we are sent to scatter the seed of the gospel. If our ministry here is about our ministry, then we will never reproduce. If our ministry here is only about our ministry here, we'll never reproduce. If our ministry, though, is about the mission, if our ministry is about our neighborhood then we will reproduce. The man in the first parable of our gospel lesson scatters the seed. The farmer doesn't hoard the seed. He doesn't keep the seed for himself. He doesn't put it into some precious box and seal it up. He doesn't say there's power here. There's something special here. And then keep it for himself. Rather, he takes the seed... And he scatters it in the field so that a harvest can be produced. Let's not hoard the good news for ourselves. Let's not keep it to ourselves. Let's share it with this world. So the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is a reproducing organism. The kingdom of God is growing. As a reproducing organism, the kingdom of God is growing. Individual churches... Uh, may or may not be in decline, and we heard this a lot at the convention because this was actually the theme of the convention. I thought it was kind of interesting as I went away, as we went to Fergus Falls to our synodical, our church bodies convention, and there they were talking all about the seed and the kingdom and everything, and then this pops up as our gospel lesson for this morning. Uh, what, what I heard is that, that most churches uh, either are in plateau, meaning they're not growing, or they're in decline. They're shrinking. And that's uh, over 80% of churches in North America are either in plateau or in decline. So that, that may be the case. Individual churches may or not, may not be in decline, but the kingdom is growing. And it's growing really at an impressive rate around the world. So we need to remember that the kingdom of God really doesn't need us. Maple Park closed today. If our church ceased to exist today, the kingdom would still expand. The kingdom is not dependent upon us. We are dependent upon the kingdom. If this church closed its doors today, God would raise up another church with evangelistic fervor and they would scatter the seed to see the kingdom expand. See, the growth is up to God. It's up to him. He will raise up workers to enter into his fields, to sow the seed of the kingdom of God. Martin Luther, is an ex in his explanation of the second article, or the second petition of the Lord's Prayer, reminds us that the kingdom of God certainly comes by itself, even without our prayer. comes by itself. 
God does it. It's his work. He's going to get it done. God is going to accomplish his work in this world with or without us. He's going to get the job done. The question is this. Do you want to join God in his missionary work within our neighborhood and throughout the world? Do you want to go with God? Do you want to go with him? Do you want to go with him on a mission? Do you want to join with him in this great work? Do you want to partake in the joy of witnessing uh, to the reality of him and to, to witnessing the expansion of his kingdom in this community and in this world? Or do you just want to do your own thing? And go about life doing things the way you want to do things and with no regard for the kingdom, with no regard for God and what he's really up to in our neighborhood. You want to join with him? The kingdom of God is a reproducing organism. The kingdom of God is growing and the kingdom of God is humanity's only hope. The kingdom of God is humanity's only hope. At the heart of the kingdom of God is a victorious king, a crucified and risen king. And so often the kingdom doesn't look hopeful though. Statistics of the church in North America aren't very hopeful Again, most churches are in decline or they plateaued as society drifts further and further from Christian, the Christian moorings that we have. We are marginalized as Christians. We're marginalized because we take our stand for the king. We take our king at his word. And because we take our king at his word, we become marginalized in a post-Christian society and culture. But that doesn't mean that God's kingdom is any less powerful. It seems that in countries where Christians are marginalized, a greater growth of the kingdom happens. Maybe Tertullian was right when he said the blood of martyrs is the seed of the church. Maybe our marginalization as Christians in North America is an act of divine providence which will make us even more potent as we offer this increasingly post-Christian culture a striking contrast to an increasing non-Christian culture. In other words, as this society moves further and further from cultural Christianity, as we move further and further into post-Christian post-Christian society, we will stand out more and more. And if we aren't standing out, if we don't stand out even today in this world, we're really not living in the freedom that is ours in the gospel. If we're living in the freedom of the gospel, we're not going to be able to blend in anymore. We're going to stand out and as we stand out, may we stand for the only hope that this world has. Let's not stand out for our politics. Let's not stand out for who we vote for. Let's stand out for Jesus. Let's stand out for his word. Let's stand out for humanity's only hope. Because the kingdom of God 
is humanity's only hope. And some look at the church and they say the church, it's, it's hopeless. There's no hope for the church in North America. But when we regain an understanding that we possess the only hope there is, and we're living in the freedom of that hope, the hope of the gospel, we will stand in contrast to the rest of society. And by that, we will be able to bring the good news of Jesus Christ to this world. So let's not stand out for our politics or who we vote for. Let's stand out as those who have in our possession humanity's only hope. Let's stand for Jesus. Let's stand for the cross. Let's stand for the gospel. And let's stand for the liberation that is ours by the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have humanity's only hope in our possession. Doesn't seem that impressive. It's just a little seed, right? It's all it is. Ignored, passed over, stepped on. But that hope, that hope is in our possession. And it is the liberating power of the gospel. It is the gospel which has set you free. It is the gospel which has freed you by binding you to the cross of Jesus Christ. That is our hope. The only hope that we have is to be free by being bound to the cross of Jesus Christ. So I ask you today, are you bound to the cross of Jesus? Are you bound to him? If you are, then you know what freedom is. You know what it means to be free. Because... The Bible says, whoever the Son sets free is what? Free indeed. You are free. You are free. Did you know that you are free today? You are free. You have been liberated from the bondage of guilt. That's hope. That's powerful. You have been liberated from the bondage of guilt. Do you feel guilt over your sin? You sinned this week, and you think, oh man, I'm not a very good Christian, God must not love me, and I might just give up on this thing called Christianity and trying to be a Christian because I just can't do it. You ever feel that way? Jesus has liberated you from guilt. Your sin is atoned for. Your sin has been washed in the blood of Jesus. You have uh, been liberated from the bondage of sin. Sin no longer has authority or power over you. You've been liberated from the bondage of death. One of the greatest fears that people has is the fear of death. I think that uh, Matthew said that the number one fear is public speaking, right? Number two fear is death. That means that most of you would rather be in a coffin than up here giving the sermon, right? Because <laughs> if the number one fear is public speaking. You've been liberated from death. There's no need to fear death. Don't fear death. Your Savior was victorious over death. He overcame death. You've been liberated from the bondage of hell. There still are many people who are afraid of hell. I've talked to them before. They say, Pastor, I'm probably going to go to hell when I die. 
And I say, why do you say that? Why do you say that? They point to their sin. And I say, well, what have you confessed in the creed? What have you confessed in the creed? You believe in Jesus Christ, right? You believe in the forgiveness of sins, right? You believe it. There is no need to fear hell. You have been liberated from the bondage of hell. You have been liberated from the bondage of Satan. He no longer has power or authority over you. You are free in Jesus Christ, free from the bondage of guilt, free from the bondage of sin, free from the bondage of death, free from the bondage of hell, free from the bondage of Satan. How are you free? You're free because you are bound to the cross of Jesus Christ. The message of the cross is like a little seed that has been planted in your heart. And though it may not seem all that impressive to you right now, it is powerful. It is effective. It is growing. And it has liberated you. Live in the liberty that is yours today. What stands at the center of God's kingdom? The cross. The cross. We have no kingdom of God apart from the cross of Jesus Christ. Without the cross, there would be no hope for us. There would be no way for us to enter into God's kingdom. It is through the cross that we enter into the kingdom of God. It is through the sacrificial and atoning death of Jesus Christ that a way has been made for us to be citizens of his kingdom. So you are in possession of the kingdom now. It is yours today. It may not seem that impressive, but it's powerful. It's in you. It's growing. You can reproduce this great freedom, this great liberty, this great joy of the gospel through your witness. So it's yours now. And soon it will be yours in its fullness. You will be in the possession of the kingdom yet to come and which we pray for. So we say about the kingdom of God, it is now because Christ is here with us now, but it's also not yet. It is yet to come. So the kingdom of God is now and not yet. What is yet to come? What is yet to come? You will be in possession of the kingdom eternal. You will be in possession through Jesus of the kingdom everlasting and through Jesus this kingdom which is full of glory. You see today the kingdom of God might not seem all that impressive. It's like a seed, like the seed of a Douglas fruit tree, right? Small, insignificant. You walk right over it. You drive right over it. You don't even notice it as you're hiking down the trail. But one day, when Jesus comes again, no one will miss it. No one will be able to walk over it anymore. You'll rest in, in its branches. You live eternally in the shade of its protection. There is joy for eternity. There is peace that knows no end. So today the kingdom of God might not seem very impressive. 
But there is coming a day. Therefore God exalted Jesus to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Like a 327-foot tree that came from one tiny little seed, so is the reign and rule of Jesus. They may not acknowledge Jesus. They will not acknowledge his kingdom today. But they will one day on the triumphant return of Jesus. And that, my friends, is the day in which you will be caught up into this kingdom. It will be yours for eternity. So it's my prayer today, my prayer for you is that you are in his kingdom today. That you've looked to the cross. And that by looking to the cross, you know that you have the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. It is my prayer that that his kingdom would enter into this community, into the homes that, that surround us here. Within very easy walking distance, over 4,000 people. How many of them are outside the kingdom? How many of them have never heard? And because they've never heard, they don't have the seed of the gospel. And because they don't have the seed of the gospel, they, they haven't become a part of this kingdom family. So I pray. I pray for this neighborhood I pray for you. It is my prayer that by entering his kingdom by the blood of Jesus, that you and this community would be liberated and set free. That we'd be set free to be active citizens, to be active ambassadors of the eternal kingdom of our Savior. That we would be alive, that we would be reproducing so that the world would know, so that the world would know him, so that the world would follow him, so that the world would belong to this great family of his. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you today. I thank you and I praise you that you have caused your gospel to enter into our hearts. And that by the gospel entering into our hearts, Lord Jesus, your kingdom is birthed within us. We are part of this kingdom family. And in this kingdom family, we, we experience today the fellowship and the joy of this fellowship of believers. The Lord Jesus, many people do not know. They have no hope. The only hope they have is what this world offers to them today or may promise them tomorrow, but nothing is promised to anybody. The Lord, what we have in you is, is a hope which is eternal and sure and true. So Lord, may we live in that hope and in that hope, may we be freed and may we share that hope with this world. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.